Caution. Learning in progress. Welcome back to Smarter Every Season. My name is Tyler Hubert, and I am product, part of the product support team here at Precision Planting. And this is the podcast that's brought to you by that same team. I want to do a little recap before we jump into the action today. A couple weeks ago, we released a podcast episode about asking better questions. And at the end of that episode, we talked about a shift coming to this podcast where we were going to move away just for the springtime from the 45-minute to hour-long episodes interview style to short, kind of concise, maybe 10 to 20-minute episodes where we're really hitting on what we're hearing come across the phone lines, what our team is saying or some of the reoccurring calls, and passing along some helpful tips that we think will uh, limit phone call volume to our, our dealer network and provide a better customer experience. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to continue to pass along some of those practical examples. If you missed it last week, um, it was released on March 31st, was the first time that we, we did this kind of what I'll call spring update style podcast. But that's just a little recap, and I'm here with Hans Stetsman. Morning, Hans. Morning, Tyler. How are you? I'm doing good this morning. Good, good. Uh, Hans is going to help me kind of go through some of the bullet points we've put together of what we're what we're hearing on the phone and what we think it'd be wise to pass along. Hans, these first couple bullet points, we're going to kind of focus on um, our, our dealers and growers that are on the .1 series of software. So 2022.1 had a couple updates um, to 2020. To dot one dot one, and uh, let's just talk a little bit about what what we've kind of fixed going to this this twenty twenty two dot one dot two. Yeah. All right, go ahead. <laughs> a lot of ones and a lot of twos in there. Uh, yeah, so the, this was released last Thursday. Um, so this is a twenty twenty two dot one dot two software, and there's a, a couple of things it addressed. Um, and primary, well, first one was there was an issue with the row cleaner um, producing down air row cleaner module. Um, we were not pushing down air out of it. So that is fixed in 1.2. So if you have guys that are on 1.1 software and are um, running row cleaners, they need to update to 1.2. Um, but that is um, the, the O series, so 2020.2022.0, the, the standard commercial release, that one is not affected by this issue. This is only on a .1 series software. They need to be on 1.2. If you have the row cleaner module, you do not need to be on dot one software no. unless you have a different product or feature Correct. that requires you to be on dot one. Correct. Um, just to, real quick to recap, some of the things that there's four situations that we can think of that you should be on dot one software. That is, if you have smart firmers that come with the serial with the sticker that says you need to be on the software, um, new VAPI rate controllers, those need to be on dot one software. Liquid pressure sensor module, that needs to be on dot one software, and then anything that's EMHD controlled systems. Those are the four scenarios that you need to be on dot one software. Everyone else should be on dot zero. So if you have one of those four scenarios plus a row cleaner, cleaner module beyond one dot two. Correct. I think it's kind of the takeaway here. Yep. So the guys on twenty twenty two dot O are unaffected. They do not need to update to one dot two. They nope. can stay on dot O. Correct. This was not something that affected our, our twenty two dot O. Correct. Growers. Okay. Oh, uh, then we had an update too to the liquid pressure sensor. Yeah, so uh, dot one dot one, so twenty twenty two dot one dot one software that pressure sensor would report as zero. Um, there was something in the software that was not allowing that to come through. Also, if you have a liquid pressure sensor, update to one dot two, that'll bring the pressure sensor back again and give you pressure readings. Yep. 
And so, again, since this is just on the 22.1 branch, correct, that would have required you to run that new external liquid pressure sensor. This is the only group that this applies to. Yeah. Correct. Okay. Awesome. Hans, you and I had kind of talked about some best practices around radar. What information do you want to pass along on radar? Yeah, so radar, um, we recommend radar for, for most planning situations where we're controlling rate. Um, make sure it's calibrated in the spring. There are several things that we'll get about every spring. We get a couple calls that, well, I can't get this radar to calibrate or it's inaccurate. Um, there are several things we like to go through. There is a troubleshooting guide on the cloud that walks through how to do the troubleshooting process. It does require a voltmeter. Um we do like to have a voltmeter available for that. That's the best way to diagnose that that radar. Um, but it's basically checking the voltages that come in to, from the radar to make sure they're within spec for the 2020. Big key thing, but that's one of the big things. Just make sure you guys are going out. If you have a radar issue, go look at that troubleshooting guide. It's there. Awesome. So I want to call something out that maybe for somebody who's been around precision systems for a number of years is probably going to feel a little bit different. And that is the conversation around the field view module or the 2020 charging and iPad. Mm -hmm. And so this is something that's kind of come up from time to time. What should people be aware of with how power is actually sent from the 2020 or field view module to the iPad and keeping the iPad charged? Yep. So one of the first things that we kind of, we got to talk about is that the I Apple is limiting how much charge can go into an iPad. So when you plug into it and a lot of times you say, well, it, it shows a lightning bolt, but it's not keeping up charge. Well, that's because we're we're limited in how much current we can actually send from the field view module to the iPad, whether it's coming from a Gen 2, coming from a Gen 3, whether it's coming from your wall adapter in the cab, whatever it is, there's a limitation in how much current we can actually push to it. So we are if we are connected and it says charging on it, we're pushing as much as we can to it. Depending on what app you have open, it's going to pull. It will barely maintain um, charge. So if as long as it says lightning bolt in there, we're put in, in the battery icon, we're pushing as much as we can to it. It's a matter of something else is pulling more current than we can actually push to it to keep it charged. So if you start off at 50% in the morning and you stay at 50% all day long, that's fine. It's just that's what it, it's taking. It's using as much current as we're supplying to it. If it's slowly decreasing throughout the day, try and pull down the battery. Try and close out apps you're not using. Try and uh, decrease the screen brightness. Basically, you're going to conserve power mode to try and make sure everything works. FieldView does take power to run. It's not just a simple app that's showing up. It does take power to run FieldView. And that's not to pick at Apple. They are trying to protect nope. their products, it, it's, too. It's a, it's a function of protecting the circuitry inside the, the, uh, the iPad. Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, okay, Hans, let's go ahead and move on with just kind of calling out some good reminders around vApply rate controllers and how we can connect those into the system. Because last year's scalable software change that a little bit? I think it's just a good thing to kind of recap here. Yeah, so in scalable software from last year and in any 2022 software this year, you can plug your vApply rate controller. So that is the, the pump controller, if you want to think of it in that way. That can be in the hat pass that was always plugged into the PDM. In this software, this year's software, we can plug that directly into an SRM ROCAN, so on the ROCAN itself. Um, in the past, when we plugged that rate controller in on the PDM, we needed to have a terminator past that. So we always put a Y in front of the VLPI rate controller and then terminate on the other end of the Y. Um, SRM ROCAN is already terminated. You don't have to do that. You can just plug it directly in like you do a V drive. The new rate control module kit that we're sending today, the new, um, I'm looking at the, two, the, two, the 280 is the old one. I don't have the part number off my help my head for the new one. Um, but the new... I don't see it on my list. I think it's a 560. 560, that sounds right. 
um, the 560 does not come with that Y because it is able to be mounted directly in the SRM or somewhere else. So it is important that if you're going to plug that new rate control module, you can still plug it into the PDM. But if you do, you need to have the five the 729508Y cable so that you can still put the terminator in. That new module does not come with the Y because there's so many places you can mount it. And we said we want you guys to order that Y separately for the cases that you need it. You may not need it. Right? You may we not need send it. send you stuff you don't, yep. you don't need. Yep. yep. So that was a cost change that we tried to make sure. And so it's just a reminder, if you're going in the PDM, anything that you plug into the PDM needs to have a Y cable so that you can move the Terminator to the other side. And then it plugs into the row on the SRM, plug it directly into the can hub. Do not add a Y in a Terminator. So the 724280, which is the, I'll call That's it the older, but it's the yep. integrated. Integrated system. Yep. Integrated rate controller with the pressure sensors built yes. in. That's yes. what I mean when I say integrated, yeah. That still does come with a Y harness because yes. that module is compatible with a Gen 2 yes. where you do have to plug into Correct. the PDM. Correct. Okay. Yep. So just to even take this one step further, if I have the new rate controller and the new external pressure sensor, I'm going to need two Ys if I want to connect that into the PDM. Correct. If you want to plug both of those into the P- which we do, we want them plugged into the same row. If you want to take that liquid pressure and the new c- control module, you need two Y cables, one to plug the V-apply module in, and then another Y to plug in the liquid pressure sensor and then terminate at the end of that. Or as you said, I can plug it into a row, or a row can, can yes. hub, that's what we're yep. referring to, must be on the same color jumper. jumper. Yes, yeah. okay. correct. Okay, Hans, let's jump into a couple notes here on exporting boundaries. We got into this a little bit last week, um, and we actually focused a little bit more on prescriptions. Um, But there's something important that we want to call out for anybody who has created a prescription, excuse me, created a boundary using a Gen 2 and then wants to pull that into a Gen 3. Yep, yep. So um, this is related to exporting a boundary from a Gen 2 that was created on a Gen 2 software. So if you have a boundary file that you used, or that you took a Gen 2 and you created, drove around the field and you created a boundary, that boundary, when you export it, it does not come with a DBF file. It's just the SHP and SHX files. There is no DBF. For those of you who want to know, the DBF is the prescription piece of a shape file. It is the, I want zone A to be this rate, zone B to be this rate. It's basically a database file that just lists out the, the actual rates that you want to assign to it. A boundary doesn't have those, so we didn't include it when we first exported it. It is part of the shapefiles. When we went to Prescription Editor on the Gen 3, we want to see that, or sorry, not want. We need to see that DBF file there so we can actually create the correct 2020 file to record that boundary. So um, when you export it from a Gen 2, so and actually, I'll just take this back a little bit further. It actually goes all the way back to, it is a any Gen 1, any Gen 2 soft display that recorded boundaries, it does not come across with, with a shape file or with a uh, DBF file. Any Gen 3 that recorded a boundary prior to 2020.1, so the very first scalable software that we released, if you know what that means. But So this is important, too, because you could see this not just carrying from a Gen 1 or Gen 2 to a Gen 3, but yes. Gen 3 is before, before this. You said, so 2020. Any, ni- any 19 software, any 18 software, um, and any 2020 um just the base software of 2020, a of, of 2020. When we went to limited or scalability software in 2020, so 2020.1 software is when we changed and we started including the 
DBF file in that boundary creation. So anything prior to that that you export out of a 2020 is not going to have that DBF file in it, which it will need when you try to re-import it into 2022 software. I do have a workaround for you, though. Excellent. So um, go to mapshaper.org. You can upload that boundary. So if you export it from the 2020, put it on a USB stick, put it into your computer, go to mapshaper.org. You can import that, that boundary as it is, and then you can re-export it. And when you re-export it, if you select the shape file export, it will create a DBF file for that boundary. Import it straight back into the display, and you're good to go. Hans, last week we also talked a little bit about prescriptions and we talked about how now when you assign a prescription or set it up in a field, mm-hmm. you're going to be asked what kind of prescription this is. Is this a seeding prescription, a liquid prescription, a, a depth prescription? I think that's... Granular. Okay, granular. Yep. Yep. Um, we should probably take a step back and just point out, too, that, again, that's for setting up the prescription in a field. But when you actually import the prescriptions now into a Gen 3... There's a step that wasn't there before that we felt it was important to to call out that we didn't talk about last week. Yep, and it is the it's so there's two steps there that one is it also brings in the um, the prescription what type is it, but there is a step now when you if you are connected to a FieldView module it'll pop up and say are you trying to import this from a USB stick or are you trying to import from FieldView, um, and so in the past we basically just had this kind of a magical appearance when you connected to FieldView things streamed across it. Now we're actually going to prompt you. If you want to import from FieldView, we're going to ask you go to import, hit the FieldView button, and then we'll pull all those prescriptions from FieldView over, and we'll write them in as a .2020 file, save them to the display, and we'll be ready to go. But that is a, it's not a, it, it, it's not manual, but it is a process that you want to hit the FieldView button when you import them from FieldView. It's not just an automatic streaming across. You got to go to data, import prescriptions, select field view, and it'll bring everything across. I want to jump back to something real quick. Mm-hmm. Okay. To try and give everybody a little bit of a why, and this is kind of just my experience and what I've seen. There's uh, nothing really technical about what I'm, uh, what I'm experiencing here, but to give everybody a little bit better idea of if you've experienced the monitor or field view module does have the ability to charge the iPad in the past, and it's actually gaining battery percentage, and now it's not, to try and give a little bit of a why behind that, I think that um, it seems like, especially on bigger iPads, the battery drains faster. As that iPad ages, just like anything, it becomes less efficient. And so if you do have a bigger iPad, one that you're running a lot of applications on in the background, or one that is, frankly, aging, it can become less efficient um, and so that could be one reason why maybe, well, it was charging in the past, but now it's not. Correct. Yep. Okay. That's one thing. And then also just keep in mind that as iPads age, the technology that's in them becomes more out of date. And so some of the apps that you're running today that you ran in the past now are taking a higher percentage of capacity from the battery just to keep it up because the yep. technology isn't as efficient as it was previously. Yep. So. Same apps that you ran last year, this year, are taking more power consumption because of the technology that's now in that same app. Yep. So there are some things that are – sometimes they get better, if, if more efficient as they age. Sometimes as the apps improve, they get more efficient. Sometimes they do, but they also come at a cost of the older systems that are out there. Perfect. Hans, thanks so much for being with me today. Thanks for having me. This yeah. is good. Yeah. 
All right. Well, on behalf of Hans Setzman, my name is Tyler Hubert. We're going to take this opportunity to go ahead and wrap up this episode of Smarter Every Season. I just want to remind everybody to please have a safe and happy spring.